0: here this morning. Thank you for joining us at Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. My name is Sean Green and I get to be the Bedford campus pastor and uh, thought that I would just kind of wear a special shirt here <laughs> this morning. Pam Voorhees found out that I was preaching in Bedford and so she said, uh, hey, I've got a shirt just for you. So I'm happy to be representing Bedford and the Bedford campus here this morning. Uh, let me start off with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your grace and for your love. Lord, for your mercy in our lives and for the hope and the assurance of heaven. There are so many things in this world today. I know for me, I'm sure for many of us in here that remind us that this world is not our home and there's good things, there's beautiful things. But then Lord, there are just things that happen, tragedies that just make us cry out, Lord, come, come Lord Jesus. And so thank you that we can put our hope, for those of us in Christ, we can put our hope in, um, in heaven and we can rest assured and secure in that. And in the meantime, Lord, help us to live uh, in a way that brings heaven closer to earth, that helps people live in your kingdom now, experience your love and your grace for them now, whether it be us or those that we love that, that aren't yet followers of Jesus Lord, may we be a part of what you're doing to reveal yourself, your heart, and your love for people. And God, I pray that this morning, as we open up your word, God, thank you for it. Pray that your voice will be the first voice that we hear. Pray that you, God, you alone will speak to us, that our hearts and our minds will be open to what you have to say. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple of weeks ago, I was driving home from the Bedford campus. Uh, we live in um, downtown Bedford. Uh, there's a road that I always take to get home that for the last couple of months has been closed and I've known that it's closed. And so I just kind of pass that road, go to another one, jog through a little neighborhood, and then hit that road back up and, and go on home. And that day, I don't know why, but I was driving home and, and I guess I kind of got caught up. Like, you know, it was one of those nice days that we get every now and then in winter. And so like the sun was shining, it was a little bit warm and, and, and a, a song came on that I started singing to. And the chorus of the song goes, um, I don't want to go through the motions. You know what I'm talking about? I don't want to go through the motions. Please nod your head so that I can stop singing. Yes, okay, Good. So uh, so I'm, I'm singing that song and like belting it out on the top of my lungs. And I'm not even kidding. As I'm singing that out of habit, I turn onto this road that I know is closed. Like I'm literally going through the motions while singing about not wanting to go through the motions. Anybody else ever done something like that? Yeah, okay. If you're not sure, let me ask you a couple of questions. Um, have you ever washed your hair a second time because you're not sure if you actually washed it the first time? Yeah, that laughter makes me know that I'm not the only one who has done that. Um, ha- have, you ever, have you ever gotten uh, something out of the freezer to fix and you put it on the tray, you threw away the package... And then you had to go back and retrieve the package because you didn't actually absorb the instructions. You just kind of read through them. Uh, literally, I have done this thing where I like throw the box away and then I have to do, I'm walking to the oven. I'm like, okay, was that 350 or 400 that I have to preheat the oven to? And I did a little walk of shame back and dig the instructions out of the trash to see what they are. And like, I think that we, we all go through this from time to time, like we just kind of get into these ruts in life where we do things, um, not really thinking about it. Uh, we, we do things just because we're going through the motions and, and those things are, are fun and, and they're kind of funny when we're pulling onto a road that we know is closed or we're standing in the shower wondering if we've actually washed our hair. Those things are funny. We can laugh at them even while we question if we are losing our, our minds. It's not funny though. Uh, to go through the motions in other things in life, to go through the motions that maybe you're in in life that just make you feel like you're stuck in a rut. Like, it's not funny when you go through the motions of telling your spouse, I love you, more out of habit than from your heart. Like, the flame that once burned so bright in your marriage has long since extinguished, and now you're just going through the motions of a marriage. It's it's not as funny when your alarm clock goes off in the morning and you hit the snooze button as many times as you possibly can because you dread having to get up and go to a job that sucks the life out of you. And you just go through the motions wondering if anything is ever going to change, if it's ever going to get better. It's not as funny when something that you used to do to take the edge off or distract you from some kind of emotional pain that you feel has now grown into a full-blown addiction that you can't break like it owns you and you know it is tearing you and your family apart but there's nothing that you can do about it right now is how it feels and so you just go through the motions caught in this cycle of addiction there are so many ways that we find ourselves going through the motions in life and some of them are funny and we can laugh at and some of them are sucking the life out of us. They're sucking the life out of us. And then there are some. There are some that are affecting the ways that we view ourselves, the way that we look at others, even affecting what we think and how we feel about God. And so for some of us, our faith can be boiled down to just going through the motions of religious activity without ever really enjoying the rest and the beauty and the freedom of a vibrant, life-giving relationship with the Lord. We just go through the motions of of attending church or a Bible study or even prayer. We just go through those motions and we miss the life-giving, vibrant relationship that God desires for us. Some people in our text today, they knew exactly what it was like to to go through that, to just go through the motions. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, um, I invite you to turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to have the words up on the screen, but man, I love it when we can physically interact with God's word together. So if you have a Bible or an app, go ahead and, and pull that out. If you're new with us uh, this morning, we are in the middle of a series called Just Like Us. And it's kind of a character study on the life of this guy named Elijah. Uh, Elijah was a prophet during the time of King Ahab, and so what we read um, throughout the, the books of first and Second Kings is that every time uh, a new king would come into power, God would raise up a prophet to come alongside of that king to kind of make sure that they're staying in the right path, that they're not wandering off and chasing foreign gods, that they're not getting distracted, to, to, to just kind of remind the king of what God's heart is for his people. And so at this point, um, the, the kingdom of Israel is really actually separated into two kingdoms because of some power struggles. And so you have the northern kingdom of Israel. You have the southern kingdom of Judah. And King Ahab was the eighth king in the northern kingdom of, Ju- of, of uh, Israel. And Elijah was the prophet that God gave um, Ahab during his reign A little background on Ahab, most historians would tell you that no king in Israel did more to lead God's people astray than Ahab did, but he wasn't always like that. In fact, Ahab's story and his journey of faith is complicated, maybe like a lot of ours are. Like, it, it, It's not just cut and dry. It's not this, this story of faith that's just forward momentum the entire time. And a lot of us, we can relate to that. King Ahab's story of faith was a lot more like one step forward and two steps back. And some of us were like, yeah, I, that's where I am right now. I've, I've been there. I know what that's like. And so his story is one that a lot of us can relate to. King Ahab struggled to listen to God and obey him. Most of us can relate to that. King Ahab refused to do the right thing at the right time. Most of us can relate to that. King Ahab married a wicked woman. Most of us can. Re- (Laughter.) Just want to make sure if you are still with me here this morning. I gotta watch what I say. My wife is here uh, right now. I love you, babe. <laughs> Ahab did marry, though, a, a, a woman named Jezebel who introduced him to a foreign god that she kind of brought with her named Baal. And after a while, Ahab convinces all of Israel to worship Baal. And so God sends his prophet Elijah to draw Ahab's heart back to himself. But Ahab doesn't want any part of it. He says, no, I'm not listening to you and I'm not listening to God. And so Ahab and Jezebel and the people of Israel, they just go through the motions of this religious life that is empty and they leave a God who loves them for a God that they are trying to earn his approval and his favor. They turn their back completely on the one true God, the God who loved them and desired a relationship with them. And now they're living however they want, doing whatever they want with whomever they want. And all the while God is watching and he says, enough, I, I, like, I can't stand to watch the people that I love continue to, to harm themselves in this way. And So God sets up a showdown between himself and the prophets of Baal to prove once and for all who the real God is. And we pick up the account in First Kings chapter 18, starting in verse 19. Elijah says, now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. In other words, the the prophets that you are supporting at your table, bring them here. And so Ahab does it, would have been easy for him to do as, as king, brings everyone together, sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? Some of your translations may have it more accurately. How long will you limp between two opinions, going back and forth? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people said nothing. Either out of conviction or confusion, the people remained silent, whether they were convicted because they knew that Elijah was right, like it was kind of piercing their hearts that they had turned their backs on the one true God, or they've just been going through these motions for so long that they don't even give it a second thought anymore, and now they don't know what is true. Either way, out of conviction or confusion, the people remained silent. Silent. Verse 22 Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bowls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it in the wood, but not set it fire. I will prepare the other bowl and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God. And I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. Now, just to add a little historical context here, Baal is considered to be the God of lightning, the God of rain. In the ancient world, he is the God of weather. And so Elijah is tipping the scales in their favor. And so the people said, what you say is good. They feel like, yeah, man, you're giving us the upper hand here. I like that. I like our odds. He's spotting them 20 points in a game to 21. He's given them a a head start in the race. Elijah is setting the stage for Baal to be successful by lighting these things on fire, as you would expect a weather God could do. Verse 25. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull, given them, and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling, maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. I love it, Elijah's trash-talking these prophets of Baal here, and and what I love even more is that God doesn't seem to mind. (laughs) So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice, but there was no response, no one answered, no one paid attention. So from morning until evening, they danced around and they shouted and there was no response. They went through All of their religious motions, trying to earn favor with their God, trying to get his attention. It was exhausting. And in the end, it got them nowhere. We see this refrain happen twice throughout this account. There was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. And it's really easy for us as a modern audience to read this passage and think to ourselves dismissively, ah, that's so primitive. What are they doing? So foolish. But man, let me tell you, there are false gods that we continue to worship today and many of us do the exact same thing. If you haven't found this out already, it is flat exhausting trying to worship and appease a false god. We have a men's warming shelter in Bedford uh, that's open from December through March. And at the Bedford campus, we have committed to taking every Thursday night uh, to provide a meal and volunteers for the evening. And so any given Thursday night, you could come and join us and you'll find a handful of of folks from the Bedford campus that are really just pouring into this ministry and into these guys. And uh, so every Thursday night now, I get to be down there and kind of get to know some of them and, and hear their stories. It's been a really, really cool experience. And people ask me all the time, like, what do you do when you're there? And it's pretty easy. You know, we we help them check in. uh, We serve them meals. um, When, you know, the night's kind of winding down, we'll play spades. uh, We'll go stand outside with them while they smoke. Uh, But a lot of times it's just talking. It's just asking them questions and listening to their stories. And, man, some of them have really just amazed me, these guys, how much they opened up and have poured out their hearts um, just because we've shown a little bit of of interest in them. And the common thread in in many of their stories, and it probably doesn't surprise anyone, the common thread in most of their stories comes down to substance abuse and addiction. A lot of them have that in their, their past or are currently struggling with it. The only difference is what it was, the catalyst that led them to their addiction, and so, for a lot of these guys, it's just something that started at a young age, and they got caught up in this pattern that, that they haven't been able to pull themselves out of. They haven't been able to find a way to to kick it, and so they're stuck in this pattern of addiction and substance abuse. For others, um, they had a traumatic experience happen in their life. They didn't know where to turn when they were hurting, and so they turned to the easiest thing that they could find, the thing that would most readily take away the pain that they were experiencing. And now they're stuck in this addiction. So now these things have moved from something that they do to something that they can't stop doing. These things have become gods in their lives that they worship and sacrifice for. Gods that they physically and emotionally and relationally hurt themselves for. And I listen to these guys whom I love. I listen to them share their stories. And I think, man, it has got to be exhausting trying to please these gods in your life. I see them come in at night and they're loaded up on whatever their drug of choice is. But then as the evening wears on and the high wears off, reality begins to set in. And just like the prophets of Baal, these guys find that the God that they give so much to does not respond, does not answer, does not pay attention to them. And so they go to bed and they wake up the next morning and they go right through that pattern and that habit once again, hoping that this time if they go through the motions, it's going to be different. I look at these guys who are now my friends and I look at them and I think, man, we're not all that different We're not. None of us are. Like they may worship the God of addiction, but how many of us have chosen to worship a God that does not deliver on its promise? See, it doesn't matter if you're King Ahab or the prophets of Baal, if you're an addict living on the streets, or if you are a preacher in the pulpit, all of us have the same problem. Our hearts are chasing after other gods. At one point or another, our hearts are chasing after other gods. So for a lot of us, we know the pain of giving and giving and giving to something or someone only to find that there was no response, that no one answered, that no one paid attention. You gave yourself to that man who promised you the world but left you with nothing but a broken heart filled with regret, You gave yourself to pornography, hoping that it would fill something in you or satisfy that longing in you, only to find that it was completely empty, and now your relationships suffer because of it. You gave yourself to that career that left you with only pictures of your kid's childhood instead of memories. And on and on and on the examples could go. Many of us know the despair of giving everything we have to a false God, even to the point of hurting ourselves or our families, only to find that no one was there, no one answered, and no one was paying attention. This God that we gave so much to left us feeling empty and alone. Man, this is what I love about our God. Don't miss this. While our heart is chasing after other gods, our God is chasing after our heart. While our hearts are chasing after these other gods looking for fulfillment and satisfaction, our God is chasing after our hearts. When we give ourselves to other gods, our God gave himself for us because he loves us and he is drawing our hearts back to him. Verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came here to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, your name shall be Israel. Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. I have a note in my Bible that says that's about 24 pounds. He arranged the wood, cut the bowl into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. And then here's our key verse, verse 37. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, our God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. See, God did not send Elijah up to Mount Carmel to show off. God didn't send him up Mount Carmel so that centuries later, kids would have a cool story to talk about in Sunday school and VBX. VBX. God sent Elijah up Mount Carmel for one reason. He loved the people of Israel. He loved them and he desired more than anything else for them to turn their hearts back to him. That they would stop chasing after these false gods and stop listening to the lies of these false prophets and that they would find rest and satisfaction in him. See, the truth is, is that God loves you more than you could ever imagine. He loves you. He cares about you. Everything that God has done throughout the course of human history has been for one reason. It has been to rescue you from your sin and from your shame, to rescue you from worshiping false gods that do not respond and only leave us feeling more empty and alone, to show you the fullness of his love. God wants something better for you. And you don't have to go through the religious motions to gain the affection or the approval of God. You don't have to do any of that because he's already shown you the fullness of his love through Jesus. I love how Paul puts it in Romans chapter five, verse eight. He says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still on Mount Carmel, giving ourselves to false gods and listening to false prophets, Jesus died for us so that we could know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves us and is for us. And here's the thing. You didn't have to do a single thing to earn it because it's grace. It's grace that God freely gives you. I tell my girls often that uh, there is nothing they can do that will ever make me love them more or less than I love you right now. There's nothing. Nothing you could do can make me love you more or less than I love you right now. And I imagine that our Father in heaven is looking down on us and saying, there's nothing. There's nothing you can do that will make me love you more or less than I love you right now. And to prove this, God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still a mess, while we were still dead in our sins and our transgressions, He sent Jesus to die for us so that we could have his life, so that we could have a restored relationship with him. Why? Because he loves you. By giving us Jesus, God went to great lengths to draw your heart back to him, to to pull you away from worthless idols, away from going through religious motions, trying to earn his favor and affection. He's already freely given it to you. He went to great lengths to show you the beauty of this life giving, vibrant relationship that he desires to have with you. And so, what's your next step? Throughout this series, we've uh, been doing a little reflection exercise. Hopefully, you've received one of these journals. It looks a lot like our bulletin, but on the inside, uh, it gives you a place to kind of interact with uh, the main point from, from each message. If you don't have one of these, we've got plenty of them out in the uh, welcome desk. I encourage you to pick one of those up on your way out. Um, or you can just write down this question and reflect on it later on today or, or tomorrow. And the question is this. In what ways are you bringing pain to yourself where you don't need to be? In what ways? Are you bringing pain to yourself where you don't need to be? What idol are you worshiping that's causing you or your family or your relationship with God harm? I challenge you this week, spend some time reflecting on that question and share your answer with a trusted friend. If you find that you need to talk through this with someone more that you're like, man, this is a heavy burden that I'm carrying. I'm telling you, you don't have to carry that alone. We want to be here for you. We want to come alongside of you. We got some great resources here at the church that can help you. If you're not plugged into a life group, that's the first place to start. Being in a life group will surround you with people that you can be open and honest and transparent with. They're going to help you to to walk with Jesus and to wrestle and deal with this false idol that maybe you've been turning your heart to. We have men's and women's groups. We have counseling services that are available to you. If you're interested in any of these ministries to help you turn your heart away from false gods that are causing you and your family pain, please reach out to us this week because we don't want you to walk alone. We don't want you to feel isolated. You don't have to go through empty motions of faith and miss out on a deep, meaningful relationship. With God. God wants something better for you, and we do too. And so we want to walk with you because here's the thing God is with you, God is for you, He loves you, and He is turning your heart back to Him. Let's pray. Oh my God, thank you for the love that you have for us, the love of a uh, Father, who is perfect and pure and mighty, thank you, Lord, that you are turning our hearts away from idols that only leave us feeling more empty and alone and you are turning our hearts back to you. Lord, thank you for Jesus who made it possible for us to be forgiven and set free, made it possible for us to come home and find rest in you. And so for the soul today who is weary and heavy burden, Jesus, meet them where they are and invite them to find rest in you. For the one who is caught up in worshiping some kind of false idol that just is not delivering, God, would you rescue them and would you surround them with people who are going to carry that burden with them and show them that there is hope, that there's a better way That, Lord, you love us and are for us. Lord, I pray that we will know more of your grace, not just in our minds, but in our hearts. That we will know that all of us, at one time or another, our hearts chase after some kind of false God. And that you, Lord, you never stop passionately pursuing and chasing after our heart because of your love. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past 6 years at socc.org/messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.